Hi, this is Bill Prater, and welcome to the Business Builders Show, where we bring together industry leaders in their respective niches from all over the planet. Our mission is to provide you with timely, provocative, and actionable resources that inspire, promote, and accelerate your quest for business excellence. Today, we're going to talk about why I built a team that grew SEM marketing at 30% year after year. And we're going to do that with Chris Tapp's Brencans. Now, Chris is the CEO of On The Map Marketing, which is one of the leading search engine marketing agency in all of North America. He's currently servicing 500 plus clients nationwide. His agency has grown year after year by 30% plus and reached the $5 million per year threshold. He has launched hundreds of massively successful SEO campaigns and has built high-performance teams of 50 people plus multiple times. Chris, it's fantastic to have you here, sir. Well, Bill, thank you so much for that uh, warm intro. I feel uh, very honored uh, to be here. Well, Um, you're going to dazzle folks with the following answers to the questions I have. Oh, I'm prepared. So Chris, uh, SEO marketing is a gigantic space. So who specifically do you serve in your agency? So search engine marketing can serve different niches. And there's a lot of companies that specialize in several specific ones. We are particularly focused on one, about 70% of our client base is lead generation campaigns. So that could mean your possibly attorneys, roofing companies, contractors, plumbing, kind of home service-based companies that have really high ROI from the leads that come to their, uh, you know, that they receive through a website or possibly landing page that's put out there for search engine marketing advertising. Then the other segment we serve, that's about 30% of our portfolio, is SaaS companies and e-commerce companies. And also in some case, uh, kind of real estate companies as well that are a bit of a mix between both. So that that's like the typical kind of service breakdown that we're focused on and we have where we have built really significant experience over the last 11 years of the company existence. Beautiful. 11 years. Okay. So you've named a variety of industry niches, but I know they've got a common problem that you solve, Chris. And what is that problem? A common problem is, I don't know if it's a problem, but growing your business, generating more leads. That seems to be a challenging task for a lot of businesses. And I would say it's for a variety of reasons. One, there's companies that are just getting started. Maybe they've been in business three, four years three or four years. So they've still been living based on their referral base Mm -hmm. or just doing great service. So that's where they're getting their clients, but that can get you only to a certain point. I love referrals. It's most amazing client base you can get, but same time, how else can you scale your business? Well, in our experience and expertise, we focus on search engine marketing. Why search engine marketing? I'll give you an example. Uh, Let's say you're in a attorney, divorce lawyer in Michigan, any place, any city it could be. And you've been doing great, just building your client base on the referrals. You're saying, you know, you kind of have that urge. You want to grow your business. You started, it's doing great. How can I get to the next step? Well, next step would be tapping into the potential people that are looking for your service. Where do people go look for services? 
obviously they go to search engines. So what's beautiful about search engine marketing is we get a lot of data that tells us what kind of keywords are people putting into these search engines and how many times they're searching these keywords actually on a monthly basis. So we look at that data and say, all right, there's thousands of searches a month for a divorce lawyer in Michigan. And then we build a campaign around that. And those campaigns usually are uh, based on two segments. Ones are on actually advertising in the search engine, which you see you pay, there's Google ads and you pay Google for those ads. And then you have map listings and organic listings. So this is a very standard strategy built for local lead generation campaign through search engine marketing. And the same concept applies for roofers, plumbers, or any other type of home service-based uh, company that's looking to grow their business. That would be very focused on lead generation campaign kind of structure and type of problems we help them solve. Kind of to continue on that a little bit, other problem I see with companies that are been advertising already, they might've been burnt with somewhat maybe questionable service providers, maybe not fully understanding either how to translate some of this marketing jargon. What does this data mean? Yes, you might've spent, let's say, $9,000 in three months and you feel like, oh my God, I haven't gotten any leads. Is that normal? Actually, answer is yes. Sometimes that is normal. The cliche phrase, to make money, you need to spend money. We help people understand what are the actual results? How is the website performing? How is Google reading your website? What are your actual rankings right now? And what are the projections? How much more you need to invest to start seeing some of these hype, hyped up SEO results? You know, people always talk about it. SEO is kind of long-term play. And we do a lot of education with our clients or even prospects for that matter too, because kind of, I guess I <laughs> shifted in a different direction of your- Well, that's okay. But... So, you know, I, I like the fact that, well, first I know that you've got 500 examples like the one you gave us for this yeah. either hypothetical or real divorce attorney in, I think it was Michigan. Yeah. So Chris, you're in a very competitive industry. There's a lot of, if you will, people that hang up a sign that says SEO marketing. Yeah search engine optimization, whatever. So how does you differentiate yourself from all the other players out there in, in, uh, your, in, competitive, in the competitive landscape that you're in? Well, number one would be the team I have. Our average lifespan of our employees is nearly four years. And we're talking about not counting people that are just coming into our company. So we invest a lot of time in cultivating internal knowledge that is so important in SEO because this internal knowledge that this our company holds is what gives us the formula of building best possible SEM strategies for our clients. So that would be number one. Number two, we are heavily focused on transparency and education with our clients. We give you top of the line reporting that we built internally. We were talking about a little bit about your son who's Right. a software development company. We have several software developers in our own company, internal resource on our salaries. It's not an outsourced resource. We are built, we've built our own reporting tool that we're actually soon going to be providing to other agencies that they can use it as well. That does keyword ranking tracking, your call tracking, your lead tracking. So any important measure of one's campaign is accessible to them 24 seven 
And we're saying we, we're not gonna, we're never going to mislead the information. Here it is, you can access it, it's a dashboard. All the information and data is there. We can even send you daily reports for that matter. If you want hourly reports, we can send you hourly reports. So that transparency is so important, especially when you're working in like lead generation or, or search engine marketing, because these results don't always come overnight. So that period until we're able to crack the necessary strategy points or outrank the competitor or figure out the specific nuances that are needed to start generating the leads because of this competitive nature, it's so important that clients are also bought in because it has to be a two-way street because if there's some friction and not alliance in the strategy or, or our anticipated return on the investment, that this relationship is not working. And, you know, there's been times when we just part ways with the clients. We're like, I'm so sorry. Like, unfortunately, like <laughs> we're, we're going to continue doing what we're doing. It's our transparency and we're giving you exact details how the strategy needs to roll out. And if something doesn't work out, which does happen, again, we're 100% transparent and we come up with the next game plan. So I would... I was going to ask you on that, on that point, uh, as far as differentiation, I know that there's a lot of, well... Let's call them solopreneur people that say, I'm in this industry, I'm going to help you out. But your whole orientation is towards a team. So a typical client of your agency would have, and I realize you got a huge spectrum, but in general, how many different uh, team members do you assign to a particular client? What sort of skill sets do the, those team members bring to the uh, table? I mean, clearly you've indicated software developers to, I imagine, people that can write copy as well. So tell us a bit about how your team interfaces with a client. You talk about this for hours. Uh, yeah, I bet you could. <laughs> so an account usually comes in with specific service that they have purchased. So depending on the purchase service needs, we assign the team members. But let's say you're doing full service package, which would be search engine marketing and web development. So in that case, you have assigned account strategist that further works with a PPC strategist and SEO strategist. So those are the technical people. Well, the account strategist is almost like your personal marketing manager. I kind of okay. was starting to label it in such sense because this individual who's assigned to your account understands SEO. They understand PPC. They understand web development nuances. So with that knowledge at hand, it's basically your personal marketing manager that is now navigating you for to get you the necessary digital marketing goals that you have, whether you're a divorce lawyer in Michigan or a roofer in Portland. Like those are different scenarios, but same time, the needs are very similar. So this, your personal marketing strategist, you know, pulls in our uh, SEO team as necessary or pulls in the PPC team, also content team that does the content for the website. So the account strategist is the middle point but if we look at departments itself in our company, we have the account management department, content writing department, link building department. And this is something we haven't even talked about, but there's an aspect of SEO that is digital PR and it's really important aspect of having good SEO results. So we also have technical SEO department and web development department and kind of like a smaller department, which is a software development, but those are more focused on internal projects that we're working on.
Okay, beautiful. All right. So I think, uh, Chris, thank you very much. We've got, I think all of our listeners have a real good understanding of what you do, who you serve, your difference between yourself and the competition out there, and your unique approach to solving the problems for your clients. So what I'd like to do now is I'd like to have you think back. You mentioned your business 11 years old. So tell us about, you know, what was in your mind, if you will, the year or so before you decided to actually start your business, go through one or two or three milestones and what you learned from those milestones. And then after that, what I'm going to do is going to ask you to remember some pain points or mistakes or issues that you confronted and what you learned from that. So Mm -hmm. take us back pre-company, what was going on in your brain? So for the record, I was not the founder of On The Map Marketing. I joined On The Map Marketing seven years ago. However, 11 years ago, I did start a company myself, which is a web development company uh, called WebVoice. It was together with our current CTO, Casper Snowberg. So when joining On The Map Marketing, I also brought him along uh, to join On The Map Marketing. So I'm just going to fast forward. Him and I, we had a pretty small boutique web design uh, agency. And that was our expertise. He would build the necessary technical aspects of building sites, and I would find a client. So we, we were kind of going in different niches. And uh, living here in Miami, I saw an interesting job posting for a website project manager here on the map marketing. And that's seven years ago. I said, oh, look at that. That's interesting. So I talked to Rick, who's the founder of On the Map, and kind of told him my story and my capabilities and resources available because Casper's, who was my partner in business, still is, right? So that to him seemed like, wow, that's incredible because he was dealing with some, you know, you want to hear about problems. He was dealing with some uh, execution problems in the web development department because big part of growth is always growing, not just the sales, growing the production. Of course, sales comes first and then you need to figure out the production part. So Casper's and I came in and, uh, we looked at the web development department and started building out the team. We started building out the team, the systems, processes. There's some fundamental things that had to be changed. And pretty quickly, we figured it out. And everyone was happy, very happy with the results. So then from that, I moved into some other departments that needed assistance. And for one, that was SEO. That was a whole new world that opened up to me. And I realized, wow, I wish I would have learned this already 11 years ago. And then just really just dived into SEO itself and started doing uh, testing, figuring out different aspects of it, meeting other professionals and starting to evolve our SEO product. And then from there, again, it was the scaling uh, challenge. It's, you know, you, you, you get to a certain point and then you need to restructure your existing systems. The E-Myth, I'm sure you've talked about it on the podcast, the E-Myth method, uh, you know, it's all about systems, the McDonald's principle, like how can you make the same patty millions of times and it tastes the same. Uh, But looking back at going, you know, through the journey of improving certain departments and then looking at certain aspects of business, what were the biggest kind of breakthrough moments One was actually implementing, and I have to give credit where it's due, we started using something called entrepreneur operational system in -hmm. our business. And that happened uh, about two, a little over two years ago. And 
I don't fully want to discredit the system itself, but I think what's super helpful is the idea of structured meetings, structured goals, structured KPIs, where this idea of systems becomes even more, in a way, compartmentalized, where if you're an uh, individual in the company, there's a data around you. Uh, Ray Dalio, in his book, Principles, talks about how he built his company where there's a software you can access and there's like a baseball card of all their, all the employees in the company. And you can look up their strengths, their weaknesses, the latest trades they've made. And that was just so inspirational. So we rolled out the EOS system and we also rolled out a uniform database within our entire company where all our project management goes into it, our CRM goes into it, our employee details go into it. So it's this massive database that combines all the information together and you don't have to look through sheets. You don't have to go through four project management systems that are being used. All the data is centralized and, and rolling out that project was a massive, massive uh, challenge, but we did it successfully and right, Dalio inspired some things and then just going to Whole Foods down the street and seeing their POS systems. Like there was, was some weird things happening, but I was in that rabbit hole, but it was super <laughs> successful. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I, we really built our uh, project management system based on POS system principle, where there's an account, service, task, and everything is templatized. So if you're a new employee in our company, you can you don't you don't have to write your own task. You just pick the service, and if the service is not active, you can add a task for that account, and in particular that service, because one account can have several services. <laughs> now I'm getting into the database structures, structures, but that was a really fun experience. No, I think that's very valuable to our listeners. Uh, you know, I'm a big uh, proponent of eventually getting out of the opportunistic business structure and getting into a proactive one so that surprises are absorbed just like anything else that that happens along the way so i'm really i'm really delighted that you that you did talk about the flat database that you created and that you've that you've adopted these things and morphed them into what you what you want to use as a you know is if you will the on the map marketing system, if you will. So yes, uh, I'd like to touch a bit on, so it sounds to me like right now you've got three of you that are partners. Two or two uh, as of right now. Just, just so, so the, the original founder is no longer there. No, Rick is. Uh, oh, oh, oh. So Casper. Casper's is our CTO. He's our, but not a partner. No, not a partner. All right. All right. I got it. So two of you. So tell us a bit about how it is, how it is being partners in a business. Is, is that like being in a marriage? You know, give us some insights about that. Did you, uh, did you, do you guys go to marriage counseling? Do you work it out yourself? Do you have a, do you have a boxing rink inside the building? What do you do? Well, it's, yeah, I always thought about that analogy about business partnership being similar as marriage partnership. Uh, I'm married as well, so <laughs> I can relate to it. I would say it's transparent communication. So our company also works with several values and these values are based on good results, have, seek solutions, own, own it. You know, there's several other ones. I'm not gonna go in detail on that, but communication wise that 
radical candor. Again, I'm using these business book cliches, but they're so true. Because if I have a issue about any type of aspect in a business, we have very transparent conversations and you just have to take emotion out of it and be pragmatic and try to understand the other side and say, okay, this hurts hearing that <laughs> X, Y, and Z doesn't work or my decision was bad. But same time, I also know that this transparency is coming from the idea of, of this will help company, not selfish place. Because I think that kind of oversight between selfish and what's best for a company is where people get confused. Okay. And then you start questioning, is this person coming from a place of, because that's better for him or her, or they're coming from a place of saying, this is what's going to benefit the company. And just over years of, you know, working with Rick, I mean, seven plus years we've been working together. His conversation and communication style always been extremely transparent. In some cases, maybe too transparent and too blunt, uh, but I will appreciate that more than layered explanations that I, at the end, I don't understand what the person is trying to say. Mm -hmm. The expectations are not aligned in those cases. So with him kind of establishing this style of management from the day one, just kind of have to get used to it a bit at first, but he's not coming from a bad place. He just wants to make sure you know exactly what he means when he says that. And he's not coming from a bad place. It's just like, hey, this will benefit you or this will benefit the company or these things will cause us losing money. Does that make sense? Should we lose money or should we actually try to make things better? And sometimes it's hard to swallow things that are being said, but again, it's for everyone to improve. And Sounds like a healthy environment. So besides the two of you, you mentioned several departments, Chris, do you, do you have a, what's your management team look like? You know, what's your kind of org chart look like? So what we consider leadership team is currently built on the department heads. So we have yeah. several departments I talked about. Number one is the web development, Casper's being the CTR, Chief Technology Officer. He's part of our uh, leadership team. Then we have account management team, and that was massively important department. So Valeria Nunez, she's the one who's running that department. So she's also part of the leadership team. Okay. And we have SEO department that's led by Kevin Cook. He's our director of SEO, but he also wears other hats in a way that he has to oversee the content department and the link building department. So they're almost like a sub departments within the SEO department. So he's also part of the leadership team. And then we have our director of finances, Matthew, who's also part of the leadership team. So right now that is the core that is putting in most of the decisions within, within the company. And of course, Rick too, but we meet on a weekly basis, same time, same meeting agenda. I have to thank EOS for that, but that was really big breaking point for us to start building that type of structure and just learning more about the value of meetings. I mean, everyone hates meetings. I'm sorry to say that, but. When you start realizing that these meetings is just like brushing teeth, like, hey, let's check in. We follow the same agenda. It's a routine. And then this routine is followed by every single other department. So we're all doing things the same way. And then let's say I'm running uh, my department, which is sales and marketing meeting. Then the information I receive there, the next day I'm bringing to the leadership team meeting. Whatever we decide in leadership team meeting, next week on Tuesday, I'm bringing it to the 
sales and marketing team saying, hey, here's something new that we're going to be doing or whatever things are we're dealing with. There's a constant effect of information and the information is very nicely passed from department to the leadership, from leadership to the department. And also it helps cross department communication because the leadership team is meeting in the same place, same time, every single day. It's not like, oh, I haven't seen this person in weeks. And that's that used to be the issue we used to deal with pre-EOS. We would feel like we're just working in our own environment, almost like segmented teams that don't even communicate with each other. And it was painful because <laughs> the issues that bubble up, you're like, wow, I didn't know you're dealing with this. Well, no wonder, because we never communicate. So this this structure, this weekly meeting structure really helps to build this report and transparency across the company. Beautiful. Now, I like it very much. So going back through the same same period of time, seven years, what what mistakes or major decisions blew up in your face and stuff? Can you and give us an example of a couple? And then what, what you guys learned as a result of the mistakes you made? Yeah. I think I'm not going to label specific projects we did, but it was... Okay. The issue was really working on too many things at the same time. Just not appreciating fully our, our uh, real abilities. I guess it's uh, overconfidence bias, but just not not putting people in very kind of focused manner, like, hey, you need to work only on this project and that's it. Just trying to spread everyone into different things. It, it, it creates this sort of, when everything's important, nothing is important feeling. And just really narrowing down. I think that was our biggest learning lesson in like last three, four years. I guess I can give you a little bit of example for a moment, we were um, trying to build a software development as a service, like as a really full-blown service. And I think it was a little bit biased because at the time I was doing more web development stuff. So I saw that as an opportunity, opportunity revenue-wise. But same time, there was much bigger revenue coming from SEO. And SEO was the department that needed that energy to continue improving certain things there rather than trying to scale now software development as a service go out find clients scale the team invest in the team well you have this awesome service that's making i don't know 30 40 times more money but you're putting in resources and energy into something that's not generating a lot of revenue you have this hope that it could and the plans kind of ad hoc you're just wasting your, I guess, kind of your bets. You're betting on the wrong yeah. on the wrong project. And the less projects you're betting on, the better, because now your 100% energy is focused on something, one or two things that are really matter. And that was kind of a pretty, pretty hard learning lesson, I, I would say. Just try and do too many things. And then you find yourself in a chaos. You're burnt out. You're not seeing success. It's a it's not a pretty place to be in. And I think getting out of that and then engaging into better go deep than wide. You know, you get to experience things at much better level. I think just focusing on one thing and 
just digging deeper, digging deeper, because it's always easy to jump on this next shiny thing. You're like, oh, this sounds exciting. Let me try it. But then you realize, wow, everyone who's doing that been in the business already, you know, five plus, seven plus, I don't know, 10 plus years. And then you're like, oh, now I need to dig deeper. Yeah. It gets hard. <laughs> so find that one specific area to focus on and help that with your team teams as well. Like the building out these specific departments was massively important for us too, because now people know, okay, these are things I need to focus on. So I guess it's like business maturity in a sense and just focusing on what matters. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, with the way you verbalize that, I think you can understand how some uh, business owners say, we can't seem to break out of this plateau. And that's because they haven't done what you just said. Really, it's learning how to say no, maybe summarizing it. So I ask you this, this question. Right now, at this moment, what's holding you back? You as a company, what's holding you back? It's holding us back. I think we're in a new phase of scaling. So like, like the e-myth talks about that you outgrow every system you have. So right now we are... Uh, breaking into uh, bigger projects, bigger scale kind of companies. We were assisting those. So now we're adjusting our own internal systems to those models, which is a very exciting process. So really it's, I think it comes down to hiring right now. Our, we're just trying to hire fast enough and train people, scale them up fast, merge them into our teams, make them feel comfortable and seeing how they will uh, work on our accounts, how they're going to learn it, SEM, search engine marketing or web development, whichever department they're joining. So finding the right people, we have pretty rigorous recruiting process. So I think building that recruiting muscle, I guess, is the next growth phase that we're, we're really focused on right now. Okay, great. Talking about recruiting and selling. So yeah. how can our, how can your, our listeners who are potential clients of yours how would they reach out and get a hold of you guys, yeah. number one? And then number two, people are listening to us. Potentially, they could be a new employee or team member of yours. So how would those two audiences, Chris, reach out and talk to you? So if you, anyone want to talk to me directly, I'm on LinkedIn, pretty active there. Chris Dobbs Rankins, you can easily find me and feel free to connect and reach out there. Or just go to our website, onthemap.com. Uh, there's a... Uh, several call to actions uh, okay, we're heavily great. investing in our own seo so a lot of our new business is coming from our own generated inbound leads shout out to the team they're doing massively great job so <laughs> feel free to just mention yourself and we'll, we'll be there it will be easy way to connect the dots and for uh, new potential employees or Actually, we were just at the University of Miami, their job fair. Great. We have a careers page on our website and all our open paid internship opportunities are there. And then that's those, I think, were the two points you wanted. Yeah, to... those are the, yeah, those are the two. And it's, and it's good to hear that you're, that you're actually active in interns all the way up to senior, uh, senior uh, experts yeah. in various, in your various departments, it sounds like. And it's just beautiful doing that. You know, I. Yeah. Great. Several of our department leads, uh, lead from leadership team. Valeria started as an intern. Kevin started as a, as a entry level website project manager. So the growth path and just experiencing that is incredible. You know, that happens in like five, four years and back almost coming back full circle with your initial question. What's our kind of unique value proposition? Well, it's the people. 
You know, everyone can do SEO, but will you work with someone that really cares for you? One of our core values is to get results that matter. And we really embrace that with our clients, you know, with our transparent reporting, with us going over their leads and having people who really care for your account. And uh, I think that goes really a long way and we've seen success so far. So excited to see what's uh, what next five years going to bring. So question, when's your, uh, when's your SaaS product going to ship to other agencies? You got a, you got a, a ship date in your brain or? So you can sign on for a beta. Okay. Uh, you can go to trackright.com. That is our kind of homepage for, for the SaaS product. You can actually see what the structure is already. Okay. Uh, and uh, if you fill out the form there, you're going to be in our beta list. That is going to be live, I want to say, in about two to four weeks. Oh, nice. You have to connect with Alan, who's our product owner, to see what's the next milestone. But we are actively testing it for third-party users. Our client's been on it for over a year, so it works really well. But now it's the other part where we want to That's exciting. owners. Yeah. So tell me, I've asked you several questions. What question were you kind of waiting for me to ask and I didn't? So what question, hey, oh. I wonder where Bill's going to ask me such and such. And then what's the answer to the unasked? Ask question. Let me think. There was something that I was just thinking about biggest learnings. It was around biggest learnings. Oh, now I remember kind of like, what's the key to success to anyone who joins a company or tries to build their own business? It's solving problems. It's never the shiny thing. It's never this next big project I'm going to launch that's going to make us a million dollars. You think about the biggest problem your business has or your company or your role or wherever you are and go and fix that problem. That's, I cannot express that more. I've seen that over and over and over and over again. And the problems never stop. Travis Kalanick is huge on this. It's like, he says, I wake up every day thinking about what problems I need to solve today. And that is really business. So it's not fun. But if you change that mentality and you have this growth mindset, you're saying problems, woohoo, fun. I love it. What kind of problems yes. do you have today? <laughs> All of a sudden, you're excited about solving problems. And then business becomes a lot more fun because if you dwell on these problems, you like start pointing fingers whose fault it is. And then it becomes tough. That's fantastic. Well, Chris, thanks very much for being so unbelievably transparent and sharing your experiences and your thoughts and your wisdom with our listeners and with me, actually, today. I really enjoyed it very much. So thanks, Chris. Likewise, Bill. Thank you so much for having me. So everybody now, let's focus on this single fact, and that is that our businesses do not become extraordinary in a single moment. Instead, they get there as a result of the owner first learning and applying a proven combination of having the right mindset, a dedication to a of management, and number three, leveraging high-performance teams. Chris talked about all three of those. Hopefully, you got some insights from him today. Chris, once again, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Bill. Bye-bye.